Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. How's everybody doing? Everybody doing well? It's good to see you here this morning. I love that disco music at the end of the video, don't you? It makes me want to dance with the Lord or something. I don't know. How's everybody doing this morning? Good? Enjoying your summer? Is it hot out there or what? It's really hot, isn't it? Uh, it's good to see you here this morning. You know, summer really is a busy, busy time of the year for us, and uh, I know as, as staff, we, we have so much to do around here. It, it typically is a time where we try to take some time off, but it, it usually interferes because we are so busy doing different things. And, you know, uh, one of the things I was doing last week, I was up in North Carolina where I had the opportunity to, to go and, and spend some time with Trey Brinson, who is one of the guys we sent out to plant a church in Raleigh, North Carolina. I uh, had an opportunity to uh, also just pour into some of their leadership. We did some leadership training and stuff like that. I even had the opportunity to pour into some uh, upcoming church planters that are looking to go out and, 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 and just uh, take uh, the gospel out into other communities that, uh, that are in need of a faith family. So it was a great time for me. But I tell you, it was also a great time of the, uh, this past week for our young people. I know our youth were away at camp this week, and uh, I know that they've had a great time. A lot of them have already told me they did, and, uh, and God was doing some incredible things there. I know that uh, Ethan Lee, one of our very own, was the, was the campus pastor or preacher of the Word there this week, and, and, and uh, we had uh, several other people involved as, as Gabe put uh, an amazing team together this week to share the gospel and to see impact, uh, our lives impacted. And one of the things that I heard uh, about what God was doing up there this week is this, is that two people gave their life to the Lord. Amen. Can we celebrate that this morning? Two people gave their life to the Lord. And many others, their lives were transformed by the presence of God in their life and what he's doing to just work in their life. And so just a great thing that was happening there. And so I'm so, I'm so thankful for all that God is doing in this place and that we're not wasting our summer. Amen? I, I know our children's ministry is greatly impacted. Uh, and I know last week you got a glimpse of what's happening in children's ministry every week. But, uh, but anyway, good stuff happening and uh, good to see you here this morning. So excited about the message this morning. And I know you are too. Anytime we talk about giving, it's just one of those that really just gets us excited, right? But, I, but I'm convinced of this, that this message is going to be one that is encouraging to you. I, I'm convinced of this, that it, it, it may challenge us a little bit, but, but God has a way of just really encouraging us uh, when we look into his word, amen? And so that's what we're going to be doing here this morning. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, but I also want to just mention, I, I think we can't go on without really saying this, you know, in light of... Uh, of some current events that are taking place and some decisions that were made by the Supreme Court this past week. I know that many of you walked in here this morning and, and there's frustrations, there's uncertainty, there's, there's just questions swirling around in your head. And, uh, and I know for us as a church, the reason this, uh, this, this decision that was made is, is one that causes such, such tension in our lives is because it wasn't just a political issue, it was one that crossed into some theological issues and so for us as a church, many of us may be wondering, you know, how do, we, how do we respond to this? What do we do with this decision that was made and that kind of thing? And, uh, you know, I just want to share with you this morning before we go into prayer, because I certainly want to pray for our country and for, the, for this great nation. But, uh, but one of the things I want to share with you is this, and, and these are just some things that God reminded me of this week, is one, that this didn't catch God off surprise. He is a sovereign God and he is still in control. Amen. That God is in control. And, and so that, I don't know for you, but for me, that's very encouraging to just know that God has got this and everything else. He, you know, this, is, this has been uh, a reality in our world since the beginning of time. When Jesus 
founded the church, there were people that were, were not living in pursuit of God. Amen? And so the reality is, is that you know, we, we have these struggles in our life. But, but the Bible also encourages us and challenges us to, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so we are challenged to, to, uh, to really try to, to remember that we have a huge responsibility to love people despite who they are and to continue to, to take the gospel message to everyone. And so uh, we have challenges before us. We have things that we just may not agree with or we may have things that we do agree with. But the reality is that we have to, to just wrestle with this and, and internalize this and, and seek God in this and, and ask him to reveal the truth to us as he sees fit. This is just the realities of, of who we are as believers and the things that we face in this world. You know, one of the things Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, he said, blessed are the peacemakers because they are the children of God. And so, you know, we can turn to Jesus for the answers and for the comfort and the truth and the peace that we all need as followers. And so I want to pray this morning for our country, but I also want to pray for this time together as we dive into God's Word. So pray with me if you will. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we, we praise you and we thank you, God, for all that you're doing in our life. Lord, we, we know that outside of these walls, there are many different things that are happening, many of which we may agree with, many of which we may not. But Lord, you have gathered, this, gathered us in this place, Lord, to to stand firm in what we believe, to stand firm in our faith and, and to trust in you. And God, uh, many times we find ourselves frustrated or concerned or confused. Father, help us to realize that the word of God has been given to us that we could understand truth. And it's there that we stand and it's there that we, that we hold on to, God, constantly seeking for you to reveal your plans for our life. Lord, we are, we are blessed by your presence. We are thankful for the work that you're doing in this place. And, and Lord, just seeing the baptisms this morning and realizing that you are still at work in, in, in radically transforming lives and changing hearts. And Father, it's just so encouraging to know that, Lord, at, at camp this week, uh, a camp that was very special to our young people, God, you were doing incredible works there, and that our young people were able to discover that they were made for more. Lord, they were made for more than what this world teaches them. And so, Father, I pray, God, that now you would be with us as we dive into your word and we look at spiritual disciplines. We continue in this series that, that we've put together called Don't Waste Your Summer. I pray, Father, that you would speak deeply into our hearts. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we continue in this series called Don't Waste Your Summer, and, and we've, we've said already, I just want to sort of remind you that this is a series where we begin to look at spiritual disciplines. Now, spiritual disciplines are those things that we must discipline ourselves to do because they don't come natural for us. If those things came natural for us, we wouldn't have to discipline ourselves, right? And so a spiritual discipline is one of those things that we, we practice at, we train, we, 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 we do to try to build ourselves uh, closer uh, in a closer relationship with God. And so we want to pursue God through our spiritual disciplines. Things like prayer. Prayer is a, is a spiritual discipline because it really doesn't come natural for us to just turn to God. We're constantly, as humanity in our fallen way, just are constantly thinking of self, but the reality is, is that God desires to commune with us through prayer. And so we have to discipline ourselves to pray. And so spiritual disciplines are very important in the life of the believer. And so over these next few weeks, we're trying to really understand and be reminded of some spiritual disciplines that are, 
that are important for us. And this morning, we are talking about giving. And I know this is a, a favorite subject for all of us here today. I, I know it's, it, it's one that we, you know, we, we, we start uh, going down this road, and there's always that one that would say, well, I just knew it, the church just wants your money. But let me say, this is not a message about that at all. I don't, I don't want your money if you don't want to be generous with your money. I mean, it's not about what I want. It's about what God has called us as believers to participate in together. And so we're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about the blessings that come with being a generous person and how, how God reveals this to us through his word, through the reading and the preaching of his word. And so we're going to dive into this this morning. You know, the, the, the reality that this is a discipline tells us that it's not going to be the easiest thing to do. You know, athletes, they discipline themselves to train so that they can be better athletes. Musicians, they practice and they practice and they practice so that they can get better at their skill and, and the things that they're trying to learn using musical instruments or, or their vocals. And, you know, artists, they paint pictures so that they can be better artists. And dancers dance day after day, practicing every day that they can be better dancers. It's part of life. Whenever we want to be better at something that we're doing, we must discipline ourselves that we can be better at doing those things. And following Jesus is not easy. I remember hearing back in 2008, Michael Phelps, when he won the, the eighth gold medal at the, at the Beijing Olympics, I remember hearing an interview with him. And, and one of the things that he was asked, they said, what do you attribute your success to winning eight gold medals in swimming? And he said this, I'll never forget it. He said, he said, I swim every single day of the year. In other words, I train myself. I go and I swim. It doesn't matter if, it's a, if I'm on vacation or if it's a holiday or if I've got the day off. He says, I never take a day off from swimming. I'm always training every single day of the year. And I remember thinking, even back then, that that's really a picture of how our spiritual life ought to be. We don't, we don't take a break away from being a believer or follower of Christ Jesus, we don't take a break away from, from that which, uh, we, you know, we're, we're called to be. It's not about what we do, it's about what we're called to, to be as followers of Christ Jesus. And so we want to discipline ourselves. And so here, you know, we, we think about how we can train and we begin to understand things like, you know, if I'm going to be better at reading God's Word and better at knowing God, then I need to read the Bible. If I'm going to be better at communing with God, I need to spend more time in prayer. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, I must take care above all that I cultivate communion with Christ, for though that can never be the basis of my peace, mark that, yet it will be the channel for it. And so we have to, I love what he says here, I must take care above all that I cultivate. That's what that's what discipline ourselves and these spiritual disciplines is all about. What doesn't come natural is something we practice at until we become where God wants us to be in that discipline. So we're talking about giving this morning. And the message is titled, Don't Give Up on Your Giving. Uh, you know, summer is one of those times where we go on vacations and we spend a lot of money that maybe we wouldn't normally do. And so the tendency may be to, you know, to sort of, you know, give up a little bit on our, our generosity as far as it goes to contributing to the work of the church or to missions or whatever it is that we give to. 
as believers in Christ Jesus. But I want us to look this morning at Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44, because one of the most important spiritual disciplines is giving. Now, Jesus talked a lot about giving, and he didn't talk just about giving his money. He talked about uh, giving in a lot of different ways. In fact, the, the, the parable of the talents, Jesus was teaching three very important principles about giving. He was talking about giving of your time. He was talking about giving of your finances, and he was talking about giving of your service. And so that was one incident where he taught one lesson, but he was really teaching on three different ways that we can give of ourselves in faithful obedience to Christ. But here today, what we want to do is we want to look at this and, and we want to dive into it because Jesus had a lot to say about our finances. Jesus had a lot to say uh, about, about how we should be generous with our money. And this morning, we read a story that we've actually read before. A couple of years ago, we looked at the same story, but we were looking at it from Luke. And this morning, I want us to look at it from the, the gospel of Mark. And we're going to Mark chapter 12, verse 41 through 44. And this is what we read here in the gospel. Now, Jesus has, has entered the temple. He's, he, he's, he's walking throughout Jerusalem. He's doing his thing. He's, he's teaching his disciples. And it says here in verse 41, it says this, And he sat down opposite the treasury, and he watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and she put in two small copper coins which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and he said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all of those who were contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. Now this morning, before we really dive into the meat of this message, I want us to, to think a bit about something. I want you to be able to walk out of here, maybe learn something about Jesus that maybe you didn't know. And it's this. I, I, I really never caught this when I looked at this passage before, but one of the things I realized in this passage is Jesus is a people watcher. I mean, here he had, he stationed himself across from the offering, and he's watching people. And I, I really, that sort of resonated with me, because I enjoy watching people. I'm, I guess it comes with the territory of being a pastor, but I, I like to watch people. I'll tell you something, if you ever go to the mall with me and my wife, you'll see two things that happen. You'll see my wife get very excited about taking off and going from store to store and taking seven or eight or 12 hours to do that, it seems. And then you'll see also me taking up a station at the nearest coffee shop and getting my cup of coffee and sitting down and saying, I'll be right here, dear, when you're done, okay? But one of the things I love when that happens is I get an opportunity just to watch people. And I'm, I don't want you to think I'm sort of this freaky stalker. It's not that, okay? It's just I enjoy seeing, I mean, you see all kind of things, don't you? When you're just kind of hanging out at the mall. You see moms who are coming by and they're having the best day in their life with their children. And then you see other moms who can't wait to get them to the car. And it's so funny to just kind of watch those things and, and laugh at them. No, I'm kidding. But it's, uh, it, it's one of these things where you see, you see couples come in and it looks like they got married yesterday because they're still in love. <laughs> and, and then you see others 
that can't wait to go out and get to the house and take off in separate cars, you know, because they're having a bad day at the mall, typically because she's making him go from shop to shop, you know? And so the reality is you see all kind of things when you're watching people. But Jesus here, he's watching people. And I, I think that's interesting to, to take a look at as we, as we see this because uh, I, I think there's something to learn here. There's two things that Jesus noticed in this passage or that we see that he noticed in this passage. He noticed that rich people were putting in large sums of money into the offering box. That's something he noticed. He he was observing, and he, he noticed that. And then he saw also this poor widow who contributed only two small coins, a real small uh, offering as it goes compared to the others, a very small offering, and he took notice of that. And the one thing that really challenged me, this passage has never challenged me like that, like this. But one of the things that really challenged me is that I guess a lesson that I took away from this is that the Lord is aware of my generosity. He's aware of it. Uh, you know, I, I know that this is a situation where he was about 2,000 years ago and he was sitting up on, you know, the steps watching, and I, I wondered about that. But the reality is the Bible teaches that, that God is aware of everything that we're doing even today. And so that really challenged me because I, I want to make sure that I'm I'm being obedient to God. I want to be sure that I'm honoring God with, you know, with my finances because, not because I feel like there's this God who's just, who's just, you know, bearing down on me to give money, but, but this God who I love so much and I'm so thankful and, and that the desire of my heart is to be generous because he was generous with me. And so I look at this passage and I, I'm aware of this and it becomes a lesson that I sort of take away from this. Uh, I love what Hebrews 4.13, it says, it says, no creature is hidden from his sight, but we are all naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And so the reality is, as I was studying through this passage, I began to realize that, you know, God's very much aware of, the, of our generosity and how we, how we give. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to dive into this text a little bit because what we see is that, that Jesus points out two types of giving. He, he points out these two different, radically different types of giving here. The first one that he points out is he points out giving from abundance. Giving from abundance. He, you know, he, he begins to show his disciples, he says, I want to show you something. Notice, notice the, the rich are coming and they're, they're, they're putting large sums of money in the offering bucket. And so what he's, what he's really, well, it probably wasn't a bucket, uh, but it was, it was the offering box. And so he's, he's pointing out to them that, that they were putting in large sums. And so what he's saying to them, what he's teaching them, is that one of the ways that people give is through their abundance. Quite honestly, that's the easiest way we give, isn't it? When we, when we feel as though we have a little extra, we might be a little more generous. And, and, and so uh, there's, there's times in our life, every one of us, no matter what we make, it's not just about being rich, but there are times in our life where every one of us, we, we, we may have a tendency to give more because we've been given more. Amen? We've been blessed. And so because of that great blessing and that, that generosity that God has bestowed on us, we, we may have a tendency to give from our abundance. And so this is one of the things that Jesus was pointing out. He was pointing out that, that the rich, it says here in verse 41, many rich people came 
and they put large sums in the offering box. In verse 44, it says, for they all contributed out of their abundance. I don't think for one moment that what Jesus is doing is condemning the rich. I don't think he's, I don't think he's saying this isn't the right way to give. I think he's pointing out and he's saying that this is one of the ways that people give. He's pointing out that they're giving out of their abundance. In fact, what we see throughout Scripture is that we see oftentimes God blesses people that they can then bless others with what God has blessed them. And so many times... God blesses and he gives us an abundance that we could in return give in abundance. And so Jesus is teaching this reality to his disciples. He's not condemning, condemning rich people. He's saying, listen, this is one way that people give. In fact, Paul writing to Timothy, when Paul was writing to Timothy, a young pastor who's, who's, who's up and coming and, and, and probably young in his ministry and doesn't have it all quite figured out yet. Paul writes to Timothy several times. We see this in Scripture where he encourages Timothy and he teaches Timothy on the things that he needs to teach the other people. And even Paul recognizes this truth that many times we in our abundance need to be not stingy with what God has given us, but we need to be generous with what God has given us and that we need to give out of our abundance. He, he, he's writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, and he writes these words. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on uncertainty of riches, but on God, and this is the, the, this is the truth I hope we walk away with here today, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. And so here Paul is saying, he says, Timothy, there are going to be people in your congregation who God has richly blessed. God has richly given much. He's, he's provided in, in remarkable ways. And because he has provided, you know, teach them not to hold back, but to be generous because God is the one who is responsible for the blessings in their life. And so here we go back to Jesus' situation where he's teaching his disciples and he's merely teaching that sometimes people are to give out of their abundance. Now, there's nothing wrong with having an abundance, but one is given much to give much. The second thing that Jesus is pointing out is sacrificial giving. The second thing that Jesus is pointing out in this story is sacrificial giving. You see, and maybe even more so than abundant giving, because what Jesus does, he says to his disciples, he says, come over here, I want to I show you something. I want to I teach you something for a moment. Look over there. You see the, the people coming and they're, they're putting in large sums of money and that, that's fine, that's okay. God gives that they may give large sums. They're capable so, and they're able, so they do. But then he points out this poor widow woman. And he says this, he says, but notice the poor widow. She comes with two small coins that make up just one penny and she puts it in the offering box. In other words, what she does is she gives everything she has. And the point that Jesus is making here as we continue to read through this, this passage, the point that he is making here is that she is contributing not out of abundance because she has no extra. She's contributing not out of something that that, that she's been blessed with because, uh, because she really doesn't have anything even to live on. But what she is doing is she, is she is giving from a heart that is surrendered to God. She is giving from her heart because she has tremendous faith in who God is to be her provider. 
This is an example of extreme faith in my, my opinion. As I look at this story and I see that here's a woman who as she approaches the offering box, she's not concerned so much with, with how she's going to make it because she has such total faith in God today. And so she approaches this box and she, she drops in. Jesus. It says here in verse 44 that Jesus said this. He says, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put everything she had, all that she had to live on. Now, I don't think that what Jesus is calling us to do here today is to give every single dime that we have. But I think he is making a point very clear to us. He has challenged us to think about how we do give. He is challenging us to think that do we give not only in our abundance, but also do we give sacrificially from our poverty? In those times where maybe our funds may be low, are we still coming to God and saying, God, I trust you even with my finances? I think one of the things about finances that is so incredible, because, I mean, we talk about money. We, we place our trust in a lot of things, but there's probably nothing that we place our trust in more than that paycheck, is there? I've known people that are unwilling to follow God because they don't know how they'll make it. I know people who are unwilling to, to go where God tells them to go because they don't think that they can pay the bills. You see, our money is sometimes our greatest security blanket. It's sometimes the one thing that we hang on to more than anything else. And I think Jesus knows that. So Jesus, in teaching his disciples, he says, listen, give out of your abundance. That's not really that difficult. God has blessed you richly. He has given you to give much but also, don't, also remember to give out of your poverty. Give sacrificially if that's what you must do. And so here, what an incredible, incredible passage that Jesus is teaching us. Uh, you know, I, I think today in the mindset of, of, of just the world that we live in, the, the culture in which we live in, there's, there's even believers that would probably judge this widow. There's even believers that would maybe look at her and say, man, that's not smart. I mean, God doesn't expect you to give everything, so you should have held on to that. I mean, how are you going to buy a subway tomorrow? You know, how are you going to eat tomorrow? I think there are some people living in the Christian church today that may judge this poor woman. But you see, as we look into this, we begin to realize something incredible about her. Acts 20, verse 35, reminds us of this truth. It says, in all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And I think that's what this lady understands. She gets it. And so here's the second thing that I want to point out to us here this morning. The second thing is this. Not only is generosity pleasing to God, but generosity produces the greatest fulfillment. Generosity produces the greatest fulfillment. You know, here, here's the thing that I love about this. In this text, this poor widow gave because she desired to worship God through her giving. 
You see, for her, it was never about her needs. If it was about her needs, she would have probably never put anything in the box. She would have held on to what she had, which was so little. So for her, it wasn't about her needs. It was about the reality that she knew that if she came, she could worship God in the greatest way possible by giving everything she got. Here's a woman, and we've all heard this before as we've, we've heard the testimonies of great people who have gone out and, and done great things for God and how they gave up everything to, to follow God. Here's a story just like that where this woman, she comes and she gives everything because her heart's desire is not one for her needs, but one for worship. You see, for this lady, it was about the reality that nothing could satisfy her greater than giving everything she had to God. Nothing could satisfy her greater than giving everything she had to God. She loved God with all of her heart, with all of her soul, with all of her mind. And the only way that she felt like she could really worship God in that moment was to give of herself everything. It was also about understanding the sufficiency of God in her life. You see, I believe this widow, she knew more about the sufficiency of God than maybe I do. Because here's, here's the thing, she, she approached this box and and in that moment, she's not worried about tomorrow because she believes that God is enough. God is enough. I believe that she had come to realize that everything she had was a gift from God to begin with. And that if she worshiped God with everything that she had, with as little as it was, if she worshiped God with everything that she had, God would meet her needs in some other way. Why? Because she understood that he was sufficient. He was sufficient. Amen. You know, in, in the last couple of moments here that we have together, I want, I want to show you something. Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's go there for just a moment because I, I, want, to, I want to really just show you how, how blessed we are to give. How fulfilling it is to give, to be generous to people. I think, I think one of the, you know, as a, as a parent, and many of you as parents, you, you probably understand this, but, but one of the greatest joys in, in being a parent is, is surprising your child with, a, with a, a birthday gift or a, you know, that thing in which they wanted. And it always feels real good to see them on the receiving end and us being on the, the giving end. It's, it's very fulfilling for us, amen? It's very encouraging for us to give to those whom we love. And here, one of the truths that we're, that we're talking about and that we're learning about is this reality that it's more fulfilling, that God has a way of fulfilling us of uh, pouring into us when we are generous with what he has given us. And so here I want to show you something in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're almost done. Verses 6 through 8 it says this. The point is this. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. He's writing to a church that is troubled. They're sort of, they're, 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 I tell you, they're going through a lot of troubles in their church. And I thank God that that's not our church. 
But the reality is this, he's writing to them and he's challenging them to consider several different things. And one of the things that we see here is Paul's writing to them and he says this in verse six. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reach bountifully. And so Paul says, listen, when you are a generous person, when you are a giving person, when you are a person who gives of his time and gives of his money and gives of his service to God, when you are a, a generous person, when you're a person who is willing to give of yourself to God, you will reap bountifully. I mean, this isn't my words. This is the word of God. If, if you don't you know, believe this, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, this is what the Word of God is teaching us. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one of us must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You see, God doesn't want us to give out of dutiful obedience. Don't give of yourself to children's ministry or give of yourself to youth ministry or give of yourself to, to our adult, you know, in the way of discipleship here just because somebody is begging you to do it. Don't, don't give of yourself. Don't give your finances because, because a pastor said it was the right thing to do. It should be a heart issue. It should be one of those things that really begins from the heart. And so here we see Paul writing to this church. He said, each one of us must give, give a, a, account. Each one of us must decide in our hearts how to give. Don't give reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Again, reinstating the, fa the fact, the reality that generosity is pleasing to God. He loves a cheerful giver. He loves one who says, you know what, God, you are more important than anything else that I may possess. And so he makes this declaration. And then he says in verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, that you may abound in every good work. You know what I love about what Paul is saying here? He says, man, give. Give because God has blessed your heart. Give cheerfully. Give not reluctantly, but give cheerfully. Give bountifully that you may receive bountifully. And then he says here in verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound in you. In other words, God will bring fulfillment and enrichment into your life because of your generosity, because of the reality that you are giving of yourself. You're giving sacrificially. You're giving because your heart is filled with thankfulness Toward God. By the time we get to verse 11, we see this in the same chapter. He says, You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also the overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. You know, there was a time in my life where I just didn't understand giving. 
I remember as a young believer, the offering plate would be passed around and I would just grab it and pass it on by. You know, I just, I didn't get it. I mean, I, money was just something that I earned and I didn't think it really belonged to anybody else. And, you know, I thought they should be thankful I'm just there. You know, I just didn't get generosity. I didn't understand it was an act of worship. I didn't understand that it was a, it was a way to please God, to bring glory to His name. I didn't understand also that it was a way to, to contribute to the work that God was doing in a community to change lives. Last week, we had a, just a beautiful look at, at our children's ministry and all that's taking place there. And I know that every one of us in here today are very thankful for the ministry to our children, that, that lives at such an early age would be, would be radically transformed by the power of Christ in their life through the ministries here at this church. For our youth who just went away and, and were poured into for a week and, and God just radically transforming their life and, 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 and bringing about life change in their hearts and those things made possible because of your generosity. I never understood as a, as a young believer that that, that, that one of the greatest ways I could say to God, God, I love you, is by contributing to the, to the needs of, of people in our community who are hungry and, and poor and without clothing and, 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 and having the, the, the money that I would give may have opportunities for us to go out into the, to the inner cities of any city and share the gospel. I think about what we're doing in Chicago. In just a few weeks, it's not far away. And I think about the opportunities we have to go up there and come along beside a church planner who has invested his life into the inner city workings of Chicago where bullets fly every single day. And all of that possible because of your generosity, that we can go and that we can contribute to another work in another community. And I get it now. I get it how my generosity transforms into something that has eternal value. I want to finish up this morning with a quote by A.W. Tozer, and he's saying this very thing. He says, As base a thing as money often is, yet it, cannot, it can be transmuted into everlasting treasure. It can be transformed into everlasting treasure. It can be converted into food for the hungry and clothing for the poor. It can keep a missionary actively winning lost men to the light of the gospel. And it can transmute itself into heavenly values. Any temporal possession can be turned into everlasting wealth. God has a way of taking our generosity, the things that we offer up, our time, money and our service and using those things to reach more people with the gospel that radically changes their life in just a moment we're going to stand and, and we're going to sing and I want to encourage you this morning you know if God has spoken into your heart maybe maybe today the reason you're here is not because of a giving message but because maybe today you want to give your life to Christ in just a moment, our, our pastors will be down front. And so if you walked in here today and there were questions swirling into your head about salvation, if there were questions about, 
about maturing as a believer in Christ Jesus, if you were wondering how you as a follower of Christ could grow in your relationship with Jesus and you have more questions than answers, our pastors are down front. After the service, we have a connection room right here to my left through that door where you can come in and you can ask all sorts of questions and hopefully we can find the truth that can answer them. And so this morning, your greatest response may be to surrender to Jesus, much like the widow woman who surrendered and said, I give everything I am because I trust in you. Maybe that is your greatest act of worship this morning. Or maybe this morning, your greatest act of worship is to come and to pray for our community who desperately needs Jesus, to pray for our country who desperately needs Jesus. To pray for the work at Cross Point Church and those who go out into our community faithful in sharing the gospel, that we would go out into a community with the truth in one hand, but the unconditional love to love them where they're at in the other. That we would be the kind of people that would go and meet them where they're at and bring them to the cross. Pray that we would be the church that God would have us to be. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's to come and pray for your family and friends. But whatever it is, let's be obedient in response to a holy and righteous God who cares deeply for every single one of us in this room and wants to fulfill our lives through our generosity. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for your presence in this place. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who who leads and guides and directs and encourages and convicts. Thank you, Father, for speaking into our hearts. God, we need you. God, we need you. And Father, what we've learned today is that many times we give out of our abundance and there's nothing wrong with that. You've richly blessed us with it. And Father, we want to be faithful in giving. And there's other times when it's much harder. We feel as though we don't have anything to give. And maybe we begin to make the excuses of why we shouldn't have to. But Father, you have shown us today that in a story that's rich and powerful, that our sacrificial giving matters sometimes more. Father, I pray that, God, today we would be faithful to lift up our community and our country. God, we are in need of, of seeing revival or an awakening take place in our, in our world today. God, there's so much hatred. There's so much bitterness. There's so much division, not just in our country, but around the world. And Father, what you've called the church to be is the light in a community of darkness. Father, maybe today we as the church can pray. Maybe today we as the church can turn to you and, and pray for revival, pray for an awakening to take place. God, remind us as the church that we may not move into a place of self-righteousness. Remind us as the church that we were once in the same place that many times we judge others. Father, remind us that you have called us to reach this community for Christ. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we worship you. And God, we're thankful for every blessing 
that you bestow upon us. Father, it's in the name of Jesus and Jesus alone that we pray. Amen.